all of you. Okay, who learned one cool thing in their last seminar that they can tell me about? Oh, yes, yeah, you're so eager. Go. I know that was my husband. Yeah. <laughs> Although we did not invite my ex-boyfriend to our wedding. But anyway, that's another issue. Okay. Oh, he told you. Oh, God. Okay, moving on. Okay. Are you guys okay with this door open? It's kind of hot. Okay. All right, anyway, welcome. So glad you guys are here. So fun that we get to be at Hume together this week. One of my favorite places on earth. Do you want to know a cool thing I learned this year? If you look in the Bible, there are lots of places that tell you that God meets with people near trees in high places. You guys, are we near trees on high places right now, in a high place right now? God meets with people. God wants to meet with you this week. If you haven't figured that out yet, pay attention because you got a couple more days. But do you guys realize that you are near the largest living thing in the world? Who knows that? Who knows what it is? What's the name of it? What's the name of the specific tree? General Sherman, somebody said it, somebody said it. General Sherman Tree. You guys, it's 16 miles from here. If you haven't been there, tell your youth pastor that on the way home you want the bus to just do a little, you know, and go see that tree. It is awesome because it's 369 feet tall and it's 35 feet wide. And some sequoia trees live up to 3,000 years. These are awesome. And God wants us to look at that tree and think about him. Why? Because he made it. He made it because it gives him pleasure, and you're supposed to delight in it. Do you? <laughs> Do you look out at that lake and delight? Trees are supposed to delight us. You might not be as nerdy as me, but I take great delight in trees, and I hope this morning will help you do that just a little bit more. But sequoia trees, by the way, when I go serve over in Wagon Train, my camp name is Sequoia. So anyway, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to think that's cool. Um, anyway, sequoia trees... So many cool things about them. I'm only going to spend a couple minutes, because, I, but I want you to be like, what? They only grow here. There's a strip of 260 miles on the western side of Sierra Nevada between 5,000 and 7,000 feet where the water, the temperature, the soil, the humidity is all just right to grow the most amazing trees in the world. And God put them here. That's why people come from all over the world. When you go to the General Sherman Tree, there are people speaking all kinds of languages because they spend a lot of money to come see the biggest tree in the world. It's so amazing. And God wants us to think about him when we think, when we see these trees. And there are some sequoia trees that you can walk to from camp. So when you go to General Sherman, there's a fence around it because it's in a national park. And they don't want you to touch it and carve your name in it, you know, Donna plus John. Oh, I mean Donna plus Eric. <laughs> hey, I'm talking about high school. That was high school. <laughs> come on, come back, really back in. Come on, come on. But when you walk from here and find some sequoia trees, when you walk from here and find sequoia trees, there's no fence. You can go right up and hug that baby. And they're awesome. 
I actually have a picture of Eric and me at, the, at these trees that we can walk to from here. It's the next slide. But here's, maybe, maybe it's the next slide. I don't know where it is. There's a picture of Eric and me next to two huge trees. Okay, so, but did you know, look how, where is it, Nolan? Where's that slide? We don't have that slide. He's given me the, okay, but do you know, you can tell a story of redemption history by thinking about trees. Biblical theology. Whoa, so cool. In the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 2, Verses 8 and 9, we are told that the Lord had planted a garden, and he called it Eden. And what did he do? He planted a lot of trees in this garden. And that God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, and they were pleasing to the eye, and they were good for food. And in the middle, there were two special trees. So imagine, like, all these trees that we have here. We don't know how big the Garden of Eden was, but I imagine there were a lot of trees, but only two get special mention. Tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you have another verse or is that it? That's it. That's it. Okay. Um, so, the tree of life was what it, just what it sounds like. It was a tree that was going to give life, life abundant, life eternal. But it seems, because of what God says, that the tree of life was for later. That Adam and Eve were supposed to obey now what God said about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Obey now by not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. And then later get the blessing of the tree of life. And what did they choose? Sorry? Munch? Yes, they took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Imagine all these trees in the garden and the one God tells them do not eat from. The one. And I imagine, doesn't say this, but it makes it sound like both these trees were kind of in the middle of the garden. So you imagine they're next to each other. So I imagine they're walking by the tree of life. Oh, that's going to give me abundant, full life later i'm gonna but god's promised that for me for later but i'm instead of focusing on that waiting for that i'm gonna walk right by it and i'm going over to the one where he said no and i'm gonna pick the fruit and eve ate it and then shared it with adam the one who god told actually right god told adam not to she offers it to adam he eats it too what happens what enters the world Yes, and what does God do about the tree of life at this point? Who knows? Sorry? He guards it. Yes, he puts the angels with flaming swords in front of the tree of life. So not only have they been banished from the garden, this place where they walked with the Lord with no guilt and no shame. They're, they're banished, they're kicked out of the garden, but the tree of life is now guarded with flaming swords. They were told to wait for it, and now they would have to wait until the end of time. The rest of the Bible is the story of telling us 
how to get back. There's a struggle of how to get back to the tree of life. And their sin not only prevented them, but prevented the rest of us from easy access or any access to the tree of life. It was a place of testing, and they failed the test. The tree of life was this reward for loyalty and patience and faithfulness, and they failed the test at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, but who knows that we see the tree of life again in Revelation. Did you know that? Revelation 22 tells us, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life. So at this point, if you ever do like read the Bible through the year, and you know, back in January you read Genesis, and now it's like Christmas, and you're reading Revelation, and you go, oh, whoa, tree of life, I remember that. I remember that from Genesis. But now it's on either side of the river. How does that work? The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. Remember, I got a, a slide to show you here that, kind of, that compares the tree of life in Genesis, the tree of life in Revelation. There was one kind of fruit in Genesis, and they were told to wait, either because the fruit wasn't ready or God was just testing them. But, but here, 12 kinds of fruit, meaning available all year long. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. So this tree of life that held great promise in Genesis, now we see it's totally expanded. It's available to the nations its very leaves are healing. All the things that plague us in this life, the leaves of this tree, never mind the fruit that's available year-round, 12 different kinds. And this tree is on two sides of the river. It's expanded. It's so big and it's so available to the nations. This is what God had in, plan in store for us as his people. If Adam and Eve hadn't taken, hadn't grasped for something that God told them to stay away from. And as I said, in case you were chit-chatting and you missed it, but the whole Bible story is this journey of people trying to get here. And when you read your Bible, look for times when trees are mentioned that there seems to be an effort at relationship with God. Do you know after the Bible mentions trees something like 263 times in the Bible, but after God and people, trees are the next most mentioned thing in the Bible. Sometimes they're called bushes or branches or other things, but super important way that God tells the story 
But the whole story is trying to get, get here to the life that can be found in the fruit. But you guys, how do we get there? There's another tree. There's another tree. Do you know that the cross of Calvary is called the tree? The Old Testament calls it a tree. Looking forward, there's a couple places in the New Testament where the cross is called a tree. Jesus died on a tree. And trusting in his death and resurrection on the tree is the only way that those angels with the flaming swords move out of the way so we can have access to this tree of life. Otherwise, we're still banned from the garden. We're still banned from the life that God intended for us, unhindered relationship with him. Problem-free relationships with one another. Imagine that. No disease, no death. Life. Full. Forever. Perfect. That's what God made us for. But the tree, the cross, that tree that falls between the tree of life in Genesis and the tree of life of Revelation, that's the key. That is the key to access. It's an awesome story that God tells us in his word. You know, Jesus, you may know this, is often called the second Adam. Adam was tested in the garden at the tree. He failed. Jesus was tested and passed, right? He said, Father, if you can remove this from me, but he was faithful, and he died on a cross for you and for me and passed that test on a tree, not just near a tree on a high place, but on a tree for you. He was punished by people, and he was cursed by God as he hung on that tree. Isaiah looked forward and told us, Isaiah 53, it was the will of the Lord to crush him for you. And now we see when we place our trust in Jesus and we realize that in him is life, John tells us, that is where life is found. Then this tree, this life-giving, forever-feeding perfectly healing tree it seems is christ himself and is offered to us god made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god he took god's wrath so that we can experience all of god's blessings which i think can be summed up in this word life real life. The tree of judgment where Jesus hung has become the tree of life for us. That's where true life 
is found. In him was life, John 1, 4. Jesus himself in John 6 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. We want life, don't we? To the full and forever. (laughs) But we have to feed on his atoning death. His death is what gives us life. It's just mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. We can only have good life through Jesus. Philippians 1.21 tells us, For to me, Paul is saying, to live is Christ. Paul knew where life was found. It's found in Jesus. And to die is gain. And we can live this good life now if we feed on Christ. And we can make our home under the tree of life and experience the healing of its leaves when we place our faith in Jesus. You know, there are lots of places in the Bible that likens us to trees. And Psalm 1 is one of those places. Psalm 1 tells us the righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. So life, right? It's full of life that it's producing fruit and it doesn't wither. And, and all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff. They're like dried up hay and they just, the wind dries that takes them away, dries them up and takes them away. So the, lots of other places we don't have time to go into. But the Bible tells us that we are like trees, or the Bible likens us to trees, and we can learn from it. Well, two, two things I want us to think about this morning, kind of takeaways, things that we can apply as we think about some cool aspects of trees. One is that trees are so interconnected. I love learning about this, about trees. I have a slide that shows the root systems of trees. Notice in this slide that the sun is only shining on those central trees. But notice by the little highlights underneath and all the roots, how they're all interconnected, that those central trees are sharing the nutrients that it gets from the sunlight with the trees that are out to the right and the left. It's just a drawing of a reality that trees share nutrients with one another. They communicate with each other as they are interconnected under the ground. Do you know you can do, they've done tests here in the forest where they put dye in the roots of one sequoia tree and then go miles away. I don't know how, I forgot how. I shouldn't say miles. I forgot how far away. But anyway, something cool. And the tree over here, the dye goes from this root system of this tree to this root system of this tree. They communicate to each other. The nourishment here can communicate and can nourish the tree over there. Why is this important for us? Because if you haven't noticed already, there are times when you feel dry and the rain isn't hitting you or you feel like the sunshine isn't hitting you, but it is someone else. And they can help to nourish you by sharing what they're learning in God's word, how their time of worship was that week. We share our food, our life, through our interconnected relationships. 
those roots that are underground all over here, they're all underground here, represent, I think, are a good picture for us, I think, of what it means to be God's people. We, God intended for us to be as interconnected as tree roots are. When you are weak, another tree is strong and will share with you. The application, you guys, is we have got to go deep in church and we've got to stay there. We are meant to live interconnectedly. Our subculture will tell us that we can be independent, think our own thing, do our own thing, live our own way. It's a big, fat lie. And what happens when we believe it is we get isolated, we dry up. We're not emotionally well. We don't thrive. We need one another. God made us to live like this interconnected root system. So as you're walking around here, on top of amazing root system underneath the ground. Ask yourself, do I live like this theological reality is true in my life? Am I so connected that another's nourishment can feed me? Am I so connected that if my friend is really suffering, I can help them? Stay connected, deeply connected to God's people. God knew he needed it. It's not a sign of weakness. He made you that way. Okay, second takeaway. Same kind of idea, but different. There's this really cool experiment they did in Arizona. Have any of you guys ever heard of Biosphere 2? Have you ever been there? Somebody in my last session had been there, and I was like, oh, you should come up and tell this, because I've never been there. But they tried to recreate biomes within this experiment in Arizona. They're growing all kinds of plants and trees in there, but here's what they learned over time. The trees didn't thrive. They didn't grow to their full height. Some of them started to kind of wilt. They made sure they had all the water and nutrients and temperature, all the things that they, they needed, and they wondered, why are these trees not thriving? Guess what they learned? The one thing they were lacking because they were enclosed was wind. Who knew? Who knew that when we see trees in the wind doing this, that that's what made them strong? What? You guys, life between Genesis and Revelation is hard. <laughs> it's hard. The older you get, the more you'll realize. <laughs> God intends it that way. It causes us to throw ourselves on him in faith. But this is what else it's intended to do. Cause us to go deep with one another. Wind will come in our lives. Challenges stresses, and God has intended for us to hold one another up. They didn't have wind, so they couldn't get strong, those trees. You will. You will have challenges and stressors. That will make you strong. 
but you've got to be interconnected because we have to help each other be strong. In my, my really close group of friends, we've all been in church together for 24 years now in the same church in Southern California, and sometimes we look at one another and go, you know what our life together is like? It, it's like we take turns going through hard things. When it's my turn to go through a hard thing, my friends are so holding me up. And I'm getting a little teary because I've just experienced it recently. <laughs> With food and prayer and childcare and whatever is necessary. And then they get me through it and then my other friend goes through a hard time and now it's our turn to hold her up. We gotta go deep and we gotta stay in the church. Because stressors will come. Life is challenging. Here's another cool thing about sequoia trees. Although they are so tall, the tallest one, 369 feet tall, you would think the roots would go super deep because how else are they going to live 3,000 years without falling over? We got 10 feet of snow here this winter. How can they not fall over in the wind and the snow and the ice and all the things? It's because of those roots. <sighs> We have got to, oh, I forgot to show you. Even though sequoia trees are the biggest trees, look how tiny their cones are. I, lo I love pine cones. They're my friends. But, you know, sometimes when you, sometimes around here you'll see huge pine cones. Those are not from the biggest trees. Isn't this cool? Anyway, it's my personal one. You can't have it. Um, God intends for us to live like interconnected root systems. All right, do you guys have any questions? Yes, all the way in the back. Oh, have I ever taken one home? Is that what you said? No, because I live in Southern California. It will die really fast. It'll be too hot. Yes, sir. <laughs> no. Um, but... He does stop in, I'm from Connecticut, he does stop in my home in Connecticut and see my parents now and then. He's happily married with children and dogs, like me. Okay, let me pray. Lord, oh sorry, did someone say something? No. Lord, thank you for this time to just look a little bit at just one of the many amazing themes in your word. Lord, I pray that these men and women would sense that you are here near trees in a high place and you have significant reason for each of them to be here. So Lord, I pray that it would be a sweet week, that you would open some eyes to some spiritual truths and that um, for others that, Lord, they would just go deeper with you and they would leave here changed for your glory. Amen. Thank you.